0: Have you ever sat across the table from someone and thought, if only I could get inside your mind right now? Maybe it's someone that's incredibly brilliant, and you've been looking forward to sitting down with them, and you can't really understand what they're talking about. If only I could get inside your mind. Maybe I could just have a sliver of your thoughtfulness. Or maybe it's your child You know, your child comes home and they're trying to recount the story of their troubles that day. Maybe the bully on the playground or why they got put in timeout or whatever it might be. And they just can't get the words out. And you say, Lord, I want to shepherd my child's heart, but I just can't get inside their mind right now. Or most likely what many of us have experienced when we're incredibly frustrated with someone. And we can't understand their perspective. And we say, If only I could get inside your mind right now, maybe I would understand why you are thinking what you are thinking. But what we all know is that the thoughts of our hearts, those noisy words are silent until someone makes them known. You can't get inside someone's mind. You can't force your way to know their inner thoughts. They have to be revealed. They have to be shown forth, spoken forth. And that's at the very heart of intimate relationship, where someone says, I'm going to speak the thoughts of my heart and actually let you know me. It's what we're all longing for in life, to both be known by someone, someone you you can trust to actually take the thoughts of your heart and speak them forth, but also to receive those thoughts of another person's heart so you can truly know them. As some of you know, we're preaching through a sermon series leading up to Pentecost on the Holy Spirit. During Eastertide, we've said, you know, Advent prepares you for Christmas, Lent prepares you for Easter. Eastertide ought to prepare us for the sending of the Holy Spirit. So we've been looking at the Holy Spirit, really non-controversial topics. Last week, you know, was predestination. No big deal, you know, in the church in general. But this week, what I want to talk about is a topic that might not feel difficult, but actually is quite... uh, It might be a confrontational word to many of us today, and that's that the Holy Spirit reveals God to us. The Holy Spirit is the one that reveals God, that speaks forth God's thoughts to us by the Son. The Son is the Word of God. The Son is God incarnate who speaks, but He speaks by the Holy Spirit to those that are filled with the Holy Spirit so that Word can be received And the hard part for us is this, and we're going to see it in the life of the Apostle Paul as he reflects on his teaching ministry, the Spirit speaks to the weak and to the humble. The Spirit does not plant within the soil of pride. Rather, before the Spirit speaks His words to us, the Spirit takes us through a process of humbling us, a process that almost all of us Would rather just skip. And so today I want to look at life's, or Paul's teaching ministry, and I want to look at three things. First, the reality that the Spirit speaks to those who have been humbled, and that humbling comes directly from the Spirit. He leads us through a process of weakness in order to bring us through a process of strengthening. Second, we're going to see in Paul's ministry that he proclaims one primary word, and that's Christ and him crucified. And when we get distracted from that word, off topic from that word, or we amend that word, the spirit departs and the spirit doesn't speak. And then finally, we're going to look at the reality that the Spirit does speak to us words of wisdom in various parts of our life, right? We seek the Spirit to say, what, how do I shepherd my child? How, how do I bring uh, reconciliation in my marriage? All of these things that we need wisdom on, but we have to go back to that first point that even there in those parts of our lives, the Spirit first takes us through a process of humbling before He takes us through a process of speaking. So if you would, turn with me to this beautiful passage in which the Apostle Paul gives us an image into his life and ministry, how he understands his ministry. He says this, And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So if you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, the Apostle Paul was the great evangelist of the early church. First, he was a Pharisee. He was a man that was Profoundly committed to Judaism. He studied under the greatest teacher of the age, Gamaliel, and he entered on a project of suppressing the disciples of Christ and actively persecuting them. He was there for the martyring of Stephen. But the Lord Jesus Christ rescued him, blinded him in order to give him profound, clear sight. And from that day forward, he was sent off as a missionary into the church, or not into the church, into the world to plant churches and to proclaim by the power of the Spirit the Word of God. Hey, bud, it's all right. (laughs) To proclaim in the power of the Spirit the Word of God. So he's reflecting on... This preaching ministry that he has, which is the way in which the Holy Spirit has spoken through him to God's people in incredibly mighty ways. We might say there has never been a greater preacher in the history of the church than the Apostle Paul. And so he might be the person that you would look to to say, you know, Paul should write a book about how to get it right. Paul should write a book about, you know, his seven systems for, you know, a healthy and effective ministry, Right? Paul would be the guy to say, we need him on every podcast saying how to be a winsome and charismatic preacher and church planter. And Paul shows us here his exact methodology for preaching and planting churches. And what does he say? Weakness is the way. It was not in plausible words of wisdom But we're going to see later, it was in the very thing that the world saw as foolishness. It was not in strength, but it was in weakness. It was not in power, but it was in one who had very little power. The Spirit is the one who chooses to work time and again only in those who have first been emptied by the Spirit so that He might fill them up. We see this all the way through the scriptures. Isaiah 57, 15 says this. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Look at, look at that, that, that dynamic. I dwell in a lofty place and, and in those who are made low. When Jesus describes the life of the Christian in the Sermon on the Mount, what does he begin with in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What did Paul know that so many of us don't? The Lord works in those who have first been humbled. The Lord works in those that have first been made weak. The Lord makes those to see those who first he has blinded. Remember what happened to Paul. He was blinded before he was given sight. And I don't know about you, but when I pray to God that by the Spirit he would speak to me, I don't spend a lot of time praying that he would first humble me. I don't spend a lot of time praying first that he would take me to the end of my rope. I don't spend a lot of time saying, Lord, I think it would be a good decision that you crush me a little bit more. I don't do that. And I'm assuming most of you don't either. In fact, normally when we experience a crushing, we see that as always a direct result of God not being present. But what do we see time and time again, whether it's the life of Christ or the life of Paul or the life of the great saints that have lived between now and then? It's the lowly, the contrite, those that have been broken that the Lord speaks to. It's the recognition of Holy Week, isn't it? That in order for God to speak loudly of his resurrection, he first takes us through the betrayals of Maundy Thursday and the grief of Good Friday. And yet in my life, and I don't know about in yours, but I desperately want to skip it. And then I wonder, why am I not hearing God's voice? My prayer for you is that you would have the bravery to pray to the Spirit, that areas that you are completely blind to, He would lead you into humility. And don't think for a second that a process of being humbled, it does not feel like a process of pain. But it is through that again and again that the Spirit speaks. So, first, in order for the Spirit to speak, He leads us through a process of humility. In love for us, but it still is painful. But second, I want to look at what is the word that He speaks? What is the primary word the Spirit speaks? When Paul reflected on his preaching ministry... What is, what is the word? He said, this is the word that I spoke to you. You know, if, you know, if he had a vision or a mission statement or whatever, it would be this. And what is it? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Look back at our passage. And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, uh, uh, and, and when I, and I, when I came to you, that's an odd word. ESV kind of got that a little odd. And I, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, but I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages For our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. What does Paul, what is he talking about here? This is kind of a complicated passage. He's saying, hey, it's kind of the secret, hidden wisdom that was before the ages, that's now been revealed to you, that reveals the love of God to you. But then he says right before that, remember, I've come among you and I've known nothing other than Christ Jesus and him crucified. What he is talking about here is the gospel of our Lord. The word that he never tired of preaching. The word that the Holy Spirit will speak anew again and again is Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the word that transcends every culture. This is the word that transcends every age. This is the word that is always fresh and new in every human heart if they are only willing to allow the spirit to speak it. And this is the word you are forgiven through Jesus Christ. And here's what we have done in the church We have asked our pastors to speak about everything else. There was this just time, and I think we're past it. Thank God. In the early 2000s and teens, where it was, we don't want to be pietistic. That's a pietistic word. That's an escapist word. What we need to be is to train our people how to engage a complex world. And what happened was our pastors became two-bit pseudo-intellectuals talking about things they had no qualification to talk about, and they got off message. And I was one of those people. I loved it. Do you want to know why I loved it? Because I thought... If we talk about all the things in this world, we can feel more classy. Our sermons can feel like a Wall Street Journal op-ed piece, right? And you don't get to touch my sin, preacher. You get to talk about how the world can be changed through the Christian church. But don't talk about how I can be changed through the power of the cross. And I loved it because there was sin in my life I didn't want my preachers touching. And do you know what? We, don't, we aren't talking about those same things that we were talking about, the, the things that everyone had to talk about that day. We're not talking about anymore. So many of my friends deconstructed and left the faith and we haven't been discipling our people. Why? Because we lost the word of the cross. We got distracted in our pulpits. We got distracted in what we were writing as a church. We got off message and Paul warned us not to. That isn't to say that Christians shouldn't have thoughts on the world. I'm not saying that. In fact, we're going to get to that later in this sermon. But when we veer from the word that the church uniquely proclaims, the word... That you can be forgiven by the power of Jesus Christ. You can be given life by the Holy Spirit. That old way of existence can be nailed to a cross. And it has been nailed to a cross 2,000 years ago to raise you to new life. That is the word that you need every week whether you realize it or not. That is the word That will never grow stale between now and the day you go to glory. That is the word that unites the church. And if you don't know what happened this past week in Kigali, look it up. The global South rose up and said, this is the word the global Anglican church will speak. And while you in the West are so busy filling your pulpits with New York Times op-ed pieces and they're not even that good, we are going to preach God's word. And I promise you, as long as I have a pulse in this pulpit, that's the word that we're going to preach. Because while you might tell me, hey, that's not the word that I need to hear, it is, because it's the word I need to hear every week. We get off message, and when we get off message, the Spirit stops speaking. And we do this not only in this kind of weird, you know, classy way where we have opinions on everything, but we also do it when we amend the cross. We can stop preaching Christ and Him crucified when we say, that sin right there isn't a sin anymore. What does that say? The cross doesn't apply to that. When we have this nice, gentle universalism, what does that say? The cross doesn't apply. Because the cross isn't necessary. But the word of Jesus Christ, the word that the Spirit speaks, the word that I need and you need is the word of the cross, which brings life. And here's what the word of the cross does. It brings us back to the first point of our sermon. It continually humbles us because the word of the cross continually reminds us that for our sins... The King of the world, the King of the universe, our Lord, our Savior, our greatest friend, died for us. It is the word that keeps God's people humble, and yet it is the word of the greatest love that can ever be imagined. That God loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. Why would we ever get off message from that word of grace? That's the word I need. And that's the word you need. And if you thought, you know, predestination was a little woof last week, this one's right there. So, is that the only word the Spirit says? Does he only speak the word of the gospel? No. We actually believe that the Spirit is the only one who knows the mind of God, which means his sovereign will and plan for all things. That question mark of what's coming tomorrow, there's only one place that knows that, the mind of God. He knows, and the Spirit is the one that can reveal that to us. The Spirit doesn't always reveal it to us, but the Scripture says that of the members of the Trinity, He is the one who speaks it. So if you would go back with me to our passage, look at verse 10. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. but is himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I think this is one of the most profound and beautiful ideas in scripture. It was kind of what I was pointing to in my sermon intro is, I can't look inside your heart or your mind, and you can't look inside a mine. Now, God can look in all of ours, but we can't ascend the mount of the Lord on our own. We can't get inside of his mind. We have no direct access to it. It's something that he chooses to reveal. And the goodness of our God is that he has chosen to reveal it. It actually reveals his desire for intimacy with us, to know us and be known by us. And he says, I will reveal that to you. And we see that as a great gift of the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians 12, 8. For the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. What does that mean? God can give you knowledge. He can give you wisdom, and he can give you that to impart to other people. But ultimately, it comes from him. And it comes from his choice to reveal himself to us by his sovereign Spirit. But I have a question for you, and I have a question for me. Do we go about seeking the will will of God, the knowledge of God, meaning seeking discernment in life? Lord, give me wisdom in life. Give me knowledge in life. Help me engage the struggles of this life well. Do we go about that in the right posture and through the right channels? So first, let's talk about posture. Go back to point one. I don't like it any more than you like it. But when we aren't in a position of humility, it's like a white noise machine that drowns out the voice of God. How many of you have ever been in a place where you have sin in your life that, that is frankly just a matter of control? You are trying to control your life because maybe at one time you felt out of control or maybe at one time you felt weak Or maybe at one time you felt rejected. And so you've gone about your life seeking control in something, and now it's gotten out of control, and it's become a sin. When we don't give that to the Spirit, when we don't give that to the Lord, in my life, do you know what that's like? It's like having constant background noise. And normally I'm praying about something over here and refusing to repent about something over here and I'm wondering why, Lord, Spirit, why aren't you giving me clarity? And it's because I can't hear. Because I've refused to repent and give up control to Him. Now here's the hard thing. Is we all recognize that actually that process of giving up control to Him is not something that we can do in our own strength. At the end of the day, every time we cry out, Lord, help me, that's ultimately His words working through us. And yet... When does our will begin and his will end? Well, that's a, you all know my Thomistic leanings on that kind of stuff. But that's, um, pray that the Lord would loosen the grip of your hands upon whatever it is in life you are gripping. Because very often in our lives, there's something that we are holding on to that has become a sin. And it might have absolutely nothing to do with what we are seeking clarity on. But that has created so much distraction and background noise that often we don't hear God even when he speaks. Now that's a word that only the Spirit can show you. That's something that only the Spirit can look within your heart and reveal to you. And that is something that only the Spirit can empower you to repent from. So as you seek clarity in life, as you seek the Spirit to speak in life, first ask the Spirit, show me, Lord, where I need greater humility and weakness. Show me, Lord, where I need to let go so that you can fill my hands with strength. That's the posture of hearing God, the posture of humility. Now, what are the channels where we know God speaks First, we know he speaks by where he has spoken in his word. Do we go to God's word in that posture of humility? I've talked to you about this before, and it's a phrase we use a lot. We often talk about how we interpret scripture, and what I want to remind you is there's a way in which that is true, but fundamentally, scripture interprets you. It might feel like you are standing over scripture, reading it, but always remember God is standing over you and reading you. You might open it up, but ultimately it opens up your heart. Are you going to God's word in humility and saying, Spirit, speak to me in this word. Speak to me the words of comfort I need, the words of confrontation I need, the words of wisdom I need. Speak to me, but Lord, my hands are open, speak. The church in word, in sacrament is where God speaks. Do we open ourselves up when the word of God is proclaimed, when the word of God is read in the Eucharist line? I cannot tell you how many of you have told me stories about, you know, maybe you're sitting in the back and there's something you're not clear on relationally or spiritually or just there's something that's off. And by the time you have taken the wine, the spirit has spoken to you. Have any of you experienced that? When we come to church with our hands open, looking to be filled, the Spirit speaks. The other one I would say, and this one is hard for us the fellowship of Spirit filled believers. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't just say the fellowship of believers. If you want God to speak to you, surround yourself by those who are listening to God, those that have been broken and have contrite hearts, those that reveal humility to you when you're in conflict with them. And for God' goodness sakes, seek to be that person in someone else's life. But I can promise you in my life, when I go to either of our bishops, Bishop Thad or Bishop Ken, I know that they are men whose hands are open, always looking to be filled so I can trust that the Spirit is speaking to them. And then finally, and then I'll wrap the sermon up because I got to close. Listening prayer. Listening prayer. My temptation is prayer in prayer is to talk to God the whole time about how I want him to provide for me clarity. That's like listening to podcasts about something you know you need to do but you're convinced I'm just going to listen to another podcast about what I know I need to do instead of just going and doing what you know you need to do. I'm going to read another productivity book to make me productive. No, you're reading all these productivity books and you're not doing anything productive. That's like when we're talking to God in our prayer and we never stop to just listen. Can we expect the spirit to speak when we never listen? Brothers and sisters, I know this this sermon, if you're brand new here, this one might be a little more practical, and a bit more punchy than normal. But maybe that's just where I'm at because I'm leaving in three weeks. Um, You know, you can have some departing words before you go on sabbatical. But but my prayer, my prayer is that our church would grow in spirit reliance. And that begins by growing in spirit-driven weakness. And that spirit-driven weakness is empowered by the cross of Jesus Christ. And that cross of Jesus Christ resurrects us into a new life where we can seek the will and counsel of God in all things. If only we listen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would humble us. Humble us in ways that we do not want. Lord, pull back our fingers from the death grip we have on our lives that we might give you control and so that we might finally hear your word. Lord, keep us a faithful people to your gospel that we would never swerve to the left or to the right but stay centered upon your cross which anchors and directs us from now into eternity. And Lord, would we hear your word. Lord, would we hear you. Speak to us. Speak through us. Lord, would we grow in ever-increasing Christ-likeness by the power of your Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.